Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the VIP Jazz War Report. The circus is back in town, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Election season has just started. We all have opinions of the presidential candidates, but on today's show, it'll be good to get an idea of what the business world thinks of each of them. And our guest today was one of Obama's passionate supporters who donated money and helped to raise funds, but now he is not necessarily the biggest fan of Obama. My guest is Harley Lipman, who is CEO. CEO of Genesis 10 and CEO of Infinity Info Systems, which are companies dedicated to providing business and technology solutions to clients across North America. Harley is on the board of the American Israel Public Affairs Committee and a member of the Commission of the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. According to his PR team, Harley is a self-proclaimed conservative Democrat. Welcome to the show, Harley. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, sir, a conservative Democrat is what they describe you. Is that someone who's indecisive? Because the problem with indecision is that he who rides the middle of the road gets hit from both ends. (laughs) (laughs) No. Conservative Democrat means I'm basically a Scoop Jackson Democrat. What does that mean? So that means that means I believe in a muscular foreign policy because we have a lot of enemies around the world Mm -hmm. and we represent the forces of good. And as flawed as we may be at times, and domestically, I can be a little more centrist and sometimes a little more left-leaning, depending on the issues. So an interracial child. <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> now, you know what? Um, you're also known to donate to Obama's campaign. What did you expect to get in return? Well, it was just basically supporting someone that I had believed in, mm. thought he would bring a new atmosphere to this country, breaking the glass ceiling on having an African-American elected president. Mm -hmm. He brought uh, a vision. He was very articulate. Uh, There was good feelings about him at the time. He was very articulate, I'll give him that. I mean, he just sort of floats on the stage. Yeah, he does. Right. Top debater for Harvard Law School. You could see, you know, that's that's his background. Now, Obama's, you know, hope and change policy resulted in the following good things. Um, Obama killed Osama. Uh, under Obama, right. the economy has added about 7.2 million jobs. The unemployment rate is now lower than the historical median. Uh, number of jobs opening is up at its highest point in 14 years. Real weekly earnings are up 3%. Um, 16 million people have gained health insurance. Why are you not, or why are you disillusioned? Well, I think one on the foreign policy arena, mm. I don't think we're seeing the leadership that we need. We need someone who is going to protect this country and be able to support our friends. It may not be exciting, it may be boring, but you have to do that. It seems at times that he's more eager to have dialogue with our enemies than with our friends, and uh, that's, that's very unsettling. You talk about um, the foreign policy and the friends, and and I want to bring up the fact that he promised the Armenians that he'd recognize their genocide, but he has not. And, you know, it's the 100th anniversary this month. The Pope recognizes the genocide, uh, but he's declined to. So what what do you think is his motive? Well, I'm sure the only motive of anyone who doesn't want to recognize the fact that the Armenians were murdered in the genocide Mm. are people who want to have a good relationship with Turkey, because Turkey is obviously the country that committed this genocide, and they're filled with rage at uh, this. They believe it's an Armenian conspiracy of sorts, and they point out that a lot of Turkish people died as well, so it's a distortion of history in their view. But he knew this 
going in. Right? This is a hundred-year-old scenario. So he's making these fake, fake promises. Does that brand him as a liar, a cheater? Well, you know what happens? Strategic interests supersede, uh, you know, whatever commitment he may have made earlier. Mm. This is what happens. He, they, they weigh it up, and somehow they feel that not antagonizing Turkey is more worthwhile than uh, recognizing this genocide that occurred. Has he lied to the Israelis? That's a great question. Has he lied to the Israelis? Uh, I wasn't in the room, but I would say that uh, the Israelis are very unsettled, uh, very disturbed. Uh, The way Obama seems to have made it personal with Netanyahu, uh, uh, that kind of shook up everyone. You know, Israel is a very loyal ally of the United States. It's a democracy. It has Judeo-Christian values that we have. They don't want American troops or soldiers. They're happy to defend themselves. And so, uh, you know, they don't, they don't feel very good about They're a great strategic ally of the United States, and they feel like they're not being treated as such, particularly vis-a-vis Iran. So in the short term, what needs to be fixed in the next four years? Well, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> What a loaded question. Well, one, I think we have to just recognize the fundamentals and reach out to our friends, even the head of Egypt, a guy named Assisi, who's really, you know, trying to put stability in that country. He, up until recently, was somewhat shunned by the Obama administration. And we need Egypt as an ally and a friend. I think also recognizing that Iran uh, is an enemy of uh, the United States and the West, you Mm -hmm. know, the... They say we're the great Satan. Israel's the little Satan. So recognizing that uh, they may start with Israel and the Jews, but it ends up going to Christians later. And that's, that's a lesson from history that we need to be sensitive to. You're an accomplished businessman. Has he been good for business? Well, you know, I would say that you could, you could argue that both sides. On the one hand, business people are very upset with Obama. He's increased taxes. Uh, if you're in the financial industry, insurance industry, you have more regulation, which they feel hampers growth. It gets in the way of businesses growing. So that's the downside. On the upside, some people would say that he has put in uh, very important regulations in banking that will protect this country from having the banks fail as they did back in 2008. Also, he look what he did. He restored the automobile industry. So some will say that's a very good thing. So it depends on what the issues are and where you stand on that. Where do you stand on that? Well, I, I think there is uh, too much regulation. I think it is, it, it's a bit of an overreaction to 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. I think that is getting in the way of growth. I think taxes are certainly too high. I mean, I know myself, I'm, I pay over 50% in taxes to Uncle Sam, and to me there's just something fundamentally wrong with, with, with that happening, that over that the majority of my paycheck goes to the government. I, I'm trying to understand the logic behind that. So I, I think that's problematic as a businessman. Also, I, I, I thought he would support small business, medium-sized business more, and you really don't see it. And I think that's a concern. Well, in this election, upcoming election, is it more important to choose the individual rather than focus on party policy? Yes. It also depends. The individual is one part. Mm. Because you, you want that speaks to character, experience, 
wisdom, leadership. That's, that's, that speaks to the person. Party will speak more to the ideology, right? You know, if you think government's too big and you're taxed too much, you're going to tend to be more on the Republican side and vice versa. If, if you feel that uh, the working man needs to uh, get more help and they should tax the rich more, you're probably going to lean more on the Democratic side. So where, in your opinion, because you're a conservative Democrat, where is the Democratic Party falling short? Well, I, I think in a number of ways. I think that uh, the, the tax issue is, I think, hampering growth. If businesses have less taxes, they could hire more people. Mm. That's just going to be better for the economy. And I, I think government often has a lot of waste and inefficiency. Um, in so far as uh, uh, creating jobs for Americans, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think he's doing enough to give the right incentives so that we hire more Americans. While unemployment is lower, it's not low enough. And a lot of jobs have been lost to cheaper labor overseas. And I don't think that's good for this country. But do you think Obama has sort of failed in his leadership? Well, on uh, internationally, I think it's, uh, uh, you could, it, people are not comfortable with him. You know, for the people who like him, mm. they will say, we have good relationships with, for example, European governments, where when George Bush was president, France and England, Germany was, was at odds with, with the Bush administration. So right. he has created more goodwill. On the other hand, you have a lot of allies who say that Obama is not showing the leadership that is needed to stand up to Putin and Russia. We see what has happened in Ukraine. This, this country has not really, really been effective in stopping him. You also have in the Middle East and Iran the feeling that maybe Obama pulled troops out of Iraq too quickly. He did it, you know, three years ago. And so when ISIS was expanding and they took huge parts of Iraq, and they, and they took over the city of Mosul, second largest city in Iraq, uh, the Iraqi army wasn't up to shape, wasn't, wasn't in good shape. And why is that? Our advisors have been gone for three years, and that's a problem. But has Obama failed nationally? Well, if you like the idea of universal health care, so for working-class people, that you'll say that's a good thing. For, uh, you know, the stock market is up, unemployment levels are lower, that's, you know, again, that's a good thing. On the other hand, you could say that there are 11 million people have left work uh, since Obama became president, um, that uh, the number of Americans on welfare is hit record highs. Um, somewhere around 20% of Americans were on food stamps in 2013. And there's about 11 million Americans getting disability payments now, which is some, somewhere around the population of Cuba. So on those things, you know, this country lost its AAA credit rating under uh, Obama. Yeah, that you was know, a fright, wasn't it? Yeah, you have all that. You have under Obama, they, you know, the CIA spied on the Senate. And under Obama, the NSA has spied on Americans. But then he's like every other president. Then he's had a few ups, a few downs. Well, He's not I an mean, outstanding failure then, is he? No, no, it, no. I think a lot of people just don't trust him. That's what it is, because the way we could bring out his accomplishments and his failures, you have a great point about how isn't he like other presidents. But, you know, some things were a bit more partisan than usual. You know, the IRS targeted Obama's political enemies, including Christian groups and pro-Israel groups and, and some prominent Tea Party groups. Whether you like them or not, 
to me that's offensive and wrong you don't you don't use the IRS to target your enemies and you know the person who was in charge of the IRS got excused from testifying or from 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 my understanding from being indicted and that's troubling mm-hmm. well as of today we have four candidates running for the grand prize Rand Paul Marco Rubio Ted Cruz Hillary Clinton what do you think of Rand Paul uh, I think he's too much of an isolationist. We're just, we're just all too connected globally. I respect the fact that we want Americans who are going to give their blood for for our for friends who appreciate it, mm-hmm. and where it's in our national interest. And uh, it, but he is so reluctant to use force. Uh, I think he would put us in more danger, unfortunately. Okay, so but you know what? I think when the voters vote. I think they're going to first want to address the needs that surround them nationally, their neighborhood, their city, their job, uh, their education for their children, things like that. Yes. Well, it raises a very fundamental issue, which Mm. is how much could a president actually do? You know, there are a lot of people who will say and make a good case that with the economy doing well, the stock market doing well, it has nothing to do with Obama. And it would have been even better if it was another president. You know, to some extent, he had the wind to his back. And so, you know, there's a limitation to how much actually a president or anyone can do. So, one, we have to recognize the limits of that. I think a lot of people tend to get very excited about individuals, and then they get disappointed later. So I don't think people's expectations are realistic. Start with that. But you're right about people do care about their community, and I think it goes to the heart of do you think government is more of a benefit for your community mm-hmm. or do you think government is more harmful well according to paul he wants to remake the gop into a electorally viable party that looks more like america and that means possibly luring democrats winning over skeptical minorities and and the young voters uh he wants to do this by you know championing issues like privacy rights and and, and civil liberties um those are, he's got good points. Those are, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with him on that. You know, he, he's, he's forward-thinking there. It's on the uh, isolationist foreign policy, even mm. though now he's, he's ratcheted up that the United States is needed around the world to show strong leadership. But is foreign policy going to be the sole key to winning the election? I'm not sure. Well, what's fascinating is for the first time in, in memory, mm. foreign policy is going to be a far, at a minimum, far more important issue than yes. it's ever been. I agree with and, you. And arguably, it may be the most important issue. Right. And I think that's important. You know, we see every day in the paper, for example, the issues with Iran. And I think that a lot of people feel that Obama wants this deal so badly mm-hmm that it has compromised his judgment, and he's short-sighted. You know, he made the statement in an interview recently where he said, Iran will not have a nuclear bomb on my watch. And guess what? He's probably right, but that's only, what, another 17 months from now? What about the future? That's what we're concerned about, and that's, and that's, that's the problem here. And I think it's also, he's so reluctant mm-hmm. to use force. Now, we know war is to be averted at almost all costs, War is terrible. No one is quick. No one wants to go to war. War is terrible, but sometimes necessary. And the feeling is, you know, if I were an evil, evil man and I were advising our enemies, I'd say, you could probably do almost anything. You get away with it. This, this president just does not want to get U.S. troops involved. He just doesn't want to. Okay, but now Obama's on his way out. 
So right. with Rand Paul on, on issues like same-sex marriage, surveillance, military in- intervention, you know, his positions, they come to, they seem to me to mirror closely those of, of the young voters instead of the GOP establishment. And I think, you know, his famous 13-hour filibuster last year um, sort of really lit the Twitter sphere. And, and, and it sort of compelled the Republican leaders who I think previously dismissed Paul as some guy standing on the fringe uh, to add their own so-called, you know, hashtag stand with Rand endorsement. Yeah, but I think he won't, he won't stand the test of uh, fire, if you will. He won't, because again, especially when it comes to foreign policy, mm. he's, uh, you know, he's not, he's not on the same page as the Republican Party. The Republican Party is rather unified in, uh, and in, in, in seeing that the United States needs to show more leadership and to stand up to our enemies. And the feeling is that Obama projects a weak image and that our enemies are taking advantage everywhere because they feel they can get away with it. And Rand Paul is a guy who, uh, it's, it, it, that's not his philosophy. And to change his, his perspective when he's running for election one, you know, at, at, at minimum, highly suspect. He's, he's just doing that to cater to, uh, you know, the, the more, more of the Republican Party sentiments. And it hasn't been his view all along. And I so, think that's really troubling. We're, we've got enemies out there that really want to, that hate who we are, hate everything about us, more than probably any enemy we've ever encountered before. So your everything number one concern, your number one concern is foreign policy. Yes. Okay. What about Marco Rubio? Well, Marco Rubio is a guy who's got, I think, a a sound foreign policy. I think that he's, he's, like uh, Ted Cruz, I think they're very similar, actually. Mm. And Jeb Bush is probably similar. I think the Republican Party is pretty much uh, united in feeling that, uh, we're not doing enough for our friends, and we're being weak with our enemies, and we don't have a good strategy to deal with our enemies overseas. But, you know, here's my concern. Um, I don't dislike him. Um, I, I like him as, a, you know, what I hear. But when you talk about foreign policy, does he have enough experience in this? I mean, could he conduct Middle East talks with Israel and Palestinian leaders, will they take him seriously? Yeah, I think it's uh, experience does matter. Mm-hmm. But like anything else, we've all seen it. We've seen young people who have great character and are resolute and have great leadership traits. So I think age uh, should be irrelevant. And, you know, uh, you I'm might sure think Winston that. Churchill was a great leader 20 years before he led England to victory in World War II. Mm. I, I think it's in the person. But will our international leaders, who are far older, will they take him seriously? I think so. I mean, they'll have to. He's a president of the United States. I think it's all about if he's effective. You know, again, let's go back to Obama. He drew a red line in Syria, mm. and then he didn't act upon it. And don't say it. Don't say there's a red line. If you say there's a red line, you have to act on it because people will interpret it as weakness. Now, some will say in his defense and say, well, even though he said it in the light of day, he's being thoughtful and he doesn't want us to get involved in another Middle East war. Mm-hmm. And the United States is war weary. So that's his defense. But even that being said, uh, it, it really unnerved our allies and emboldened our enemies.
And why didn't he get involved in Syria? I'll give you my theory, because he didn't want to do anything to alienate Iran, because he was eager to have a dialogue with the administration in Iran. Okay. Well, enough about Obama. Ted Cruz, uh, to me, he remains the conservative grassroots darling. Uh, you know, they see him as a purist conservative candidate. He probably is. Um, is that a good thing? Well, it all depends. You know, it helped George Bush. If you could mobilize the the uh, evangelical Christians, if you could mobilize Tea Party there, they're very focused, they're very clear in their ideology. Uh, it could propel him uh, to being the Republican candidate. Then the question is, could he get elected? Mm. If you look at statistics, it seems that uh, most people would identify with the Democratic Party in this country, bear, bear a little more than half. So if he did that, you, you may find the argument goes independents are going to not support him. They'll view him as too right-wing. The argument against him is he's unelectable, he's too right-wing. The argument in his favor is he's really smart, he, he's brilliant, by the way. You know, he uh, is a brilliant lawyer. He, he was in front of the Supreme Court top of his class in law school. I mean, he is, an intel- he is brilliant. And again, a very decent, very principled person. And so, and, and, the, and Hispanic American, which will appeal to those voters. Mm-hmm. And another glass ceiling that could be broken. So I think that's, uh, that's where that is. On the other hand, people say that the only one who really is going to get the nomination is Jeb Bush, because only Jeb Bush's family could raise the money that's needed for this. Now, lately, some people have been challenging that. Right. But the conventional wisdom is, you know, money talks, and they're not going to be able to get the kind of money that the Bush family can get for Jeb Bush and, and their relationships and friendships. Well, on the opposite side of the Bushes are the Clintons. Right. She can raise money like no one yeah. else can. I um, agree. I have a funny feeling you support her. Um you're so, right. <laughs> so tell me why. Well, I think that uh, Hillary Clinton, one, you, you mentioned earlier about experience. Hmm. She has more experience than all of them combined. Uh, you know, she is... A, a, well, she has experience. I mean, she's a pantsuit-wearing globetrotter. Well, but that's really about it. I mean, was she a good secretary of, was she a good sec- secretary of state? Well, I, I think so. I, I think that she re- people respected her. The things that I've read and heard is that when she ran out, went around the world, people believed her. She said what she meant and what she said, and she was pretty tough. People did not want to mess with her. And I think of nothing else. Mm-hmm. I think given the dangerous world we're in, and, and, I, and I think this is the scariest year of my life, actually, given what's going on internationally. Not even 1963 was as scary as this year. Right. And I think that having someone like Hillary Clinton, I think she is someone that will stand up to our enemies. And I think she's become more moderate. She may have started out very liberal, but I think she's, she's more centrist. And I think that she's got the experience and she has the respect. And I think she's learned a lot. She's made mistakes. We all make mistakes. Well, according We're to you, human. the respect comes automatically, whether it's Marco Rubio going in because you're saying it's a president of the United States. So the title automatically gets your respect. In terms of experience, I can't fault you on that one. She's got more air miles than the other three combined. Right. Um, but, you know, something says to me she's a war candidate. 
She voted for the Iraq war. She spoke on the Senate floor in defense of it. But it's really not just Iraq. Her entire record is pro-war. Um, even her husband launched wars in Bosnia and Kosovo. Um, when he was getting impeached in 1998, you know, he launched missile attacks on Iraq. Now, okay, well, that was him. But well, but that, that was unfair to him. He was trying to get Osama bin Laden. Okay. <laughs> it just so happened, yes, yes, it would dis- at that time, yes, it would distract attention. But I don't think that's the reason. Okay. I, I, I think that's a bit unfair. I think they had good intelligence that a bad guy's out there that was uh, attacking, killing Americans, and he wanted to take them out. And if it just so happens that it also helped his case, that it could distract attention from the scandals, well, all the better. But I believe that... So let's not associate her with him. I get that. Um, But as Obama's Secretary of State, uh, she was one of the three Obama aides, you know, most responsible for uh, the preemptive war in Libya. In fact, she said, we came, we saw, he died. And, you know, she was gloating about that, about uh, Gaddafi. And this regime change, like the one she supported in Iraq, it left a power vacuum that was filled with, like, chaos and murder. Uh, Libya has become now a terrorist hotbed and an Islamic State foothold. Is the left cool with that sort of thing? Are you cool with that? You know, watch out for unintended consequences. Mm. It's a major theme, right? right? We all thought Saddam Hussein was really bad, and he was a really bad guy. Mm. And yet now, some would argue, in, so, in many ways it's worse. You have Iraq as a satellite of Iran. You have a, a Shia regime in power, and so... Uh, you know, uh, war has unexpected consequences. And yes, it's true, there's something comforting about dictators. They, they don't have an ideology of expansion, they control the country, you could get to them. Uh, as bad as it is, mm. you know, they could kind of keep the country together. When you knock out a dictator, uh, you know, you could have chaos and it, and, it, and it could be real bad. So I think that, yes, with Gaddafi, the jury's still out. I think he was a bad guy, others were bad guys. I think it. I think that uh, she's not interested in war. Again, I, I don't. I, I haven't met really many people like that. War is truly terrible, and I think that she's. And in fact, she's come a long way. She used to be super liberal, where she was opposed to the idea of any kind of war. So I think that she's just being tough and standing up for America's interest. I, I'm impressed, and I think that's a very good thing. You wouldn't have said that about Hillary Clinton 20 years ago. Well, that's because she hadn't done all these things 20 years ago. <laughs> but I meant just in terms of her her perspective on foreign policy and the use of military force. Well, she, I guess you, if she learns from her mistakes, you could count that as, as that she has more experience than the others. Um, but, you know, at the very core, this is a couple that's always shrouded in a certain mystery. Uh, you know, the email scandal, uh, Benghazi. Um, and, of course, Republicans hammer her for not doing enough and, and you know, accuse the administration of changing the talking points. Um, but what happened in Benghazi, you know, she's proved that her level of patriotism is, is questionable at, at, at best. And, and it's you either... It is not. Now you're being offensive. No, I'm kidding. No, but seriously, right. I don't think you can question a level of patriotism. I think bad things happen in Benghazi. An American ambassador was killed. Who would have thought that would have happened? I... 
you know, she's Secretary of State, so yes, you could argue she's ultimately accountable. But there are many layers underneath her. Mm. And I think some bad things, what, what happened, there may have been some miscalculations. People make mistakes. You know, we, you know what it is? If you don't like someone, mm. then as soon as you find some flaw, you jump all over them. The truth is, they're human. We're all human, and we're all flawed, and we all make mistakes. And Hillary Clinton, like other candidates, are under a microscope, and I just wonder how we would be if we were under that kind of microscope. So I don't, I don't have that view. I think this system that we have inhibits really smart, good people from running for office because their whole life is, is put in front of a mirror for everybody to see. And, you know, we're all just human. And I think there's some really good, smart people that don't run for political office because they don't want to go through this level of scrutiny where every little thing is analyzed. I view her as human, and that's how I see it. And people, you know, have this kind of puritanical hypocrisy at times. Mm -hmm. And I just think we all make mistakes. As long as you learn from it and you, and you own up to it, mm -hmm. then it's fine. And as long as you don't keep on repeating it, obviously. No, I don't think they repeat it, but I think every few years there's always some sort of a scandal. At the beginning of this show, you defined to me what it's going to take to make a good president. And you said character experience, leadership. You're not supposed uh, to quote me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about character. You know, there's this total resistance to transparency, this whole private email account thing. Um, but, you know, transparency is a necessary pillar of good government. And, and you know, she's famously and stubbornly closed to the media. She obviously refused to use the State Department's email system. She created her own. Uh, and it, it was, you know, coincidentally or incidentally scrubbed totally clean once the congressional digging got too close. Um, it shows she suffers from a paranoid obsession with secrecy. And um, that's where the character comes into question. Maybe, but I don't think so. I just think that, you know, it was a miscalculation. I think it was just easier. Why, why are you so pro-Clinton despite all this? Well, I think that she is, at heart, a very good person. I think she's flawed, like a lot of people. Mm. Uh, I am sympathetic to that because I just think it's honest. I think these people that tout themselves as being so pure, I'm suspicious of. because She's I only honest when you catch her. <laughs> well, you know, I will tell you, well, mm. what you just mentioned will hurt her. You know, let's just go there. It, it, yeah, this is not going to help her. I think, by the way, of all the things, mm. that is probably going to hurt her the most, this uh, email uh, issue. And it's unfortunate. And I, and I think she made a mistake, and it was a bad one, and I think she feels very bad about it. And she I think she'll get over it. I think, I think people will, go, you know, will, will not take it to heart. You know why? Because I don't think there's anything sinister in it. I think, you know... Um, you're scrubbing your emails totally clean while the investigation's happening. Well, you know, if, if let's just take her at face value for a moment, okay? I'm all about trusting people and giving them the benefit of the doubt mm. unless we could prove otherwise. So let's start with that premise and say that if it's true that she sent personal and private information to people saying things about friends, she, you know, she may have used that email so openly, making comments about friends, making comments about other people, making comments to her daughter, who knows what – this is so private and personal. I mean, we all have – we all say things in text and email. I mean, if this was ever exposed, everybody would be embarrassed, I bet. Now, today, maybe people are a little more cautious. But I think, again, it goes back to the fact that, you know, she, she said things. I'm sure it freaked her out mm -hmm. that 
these things could be public. And I don't think it's, again, is something, some smoking gun or some big scandal. I just think that it would be embarrassing because she's sharing comments about people and situations, which is what people do in text all the time in emails. And it would be embarrassing for it to come out. And, uh, and I think everybody would, everybody would do the same thing. They would look to get rid of that, thinking, oh, gee, you know, now this, this is going to come public. This isn't a good thing. So I don't think, I mean, what is it that could be in there that's a smoking gun? I mean, well, you know, she's under scrutiny. She's watched 24-7. It's a choice uh, she know. makes, though. Every, each one of these choice. candidates. Uh, made a mistake. It's a bad choice. She made a mistake. Now, you intend to fundraise for her? Yes. What do you hope to get out of it? Well, just to have someone in the White House that I have confidence in and that I think will do a good job for this country. She's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But is there a vested interest from a business point of view? Oh, no. Not at all. So you you would do this because you have... They're not allowed to, by the way, by law anyway. They're not allowed to, so no. Well, she doesn't follow the law necessarily all the time. So, you know... What? she, She doesn't necessarily follow the law all the time. Um, yeah, but no, but I don't do any government work, so there's no business incentive whatsoever. I'm just being a good patriot, being a good American. I care about this country, and I want to support people who I have confidence in will lead us in a better path. And they may not be, and they're not perfect, and they're not ideal. And if we could pick uh, uh, the best and the brightest, and and uh, you know, maybe there'd be other good, better candidates. But uh, there's none right now better than her in my opinion. Why is it that the Republicans have three candidates and the <laughs> Democrats only one? Well, because it take you three want to run men? up Hillary? <laughs> I mean, she's a powerhouse, right. and she's got Bill. She's got the, the, probably the smartest strategist as her husband, and she's got the loyalty of a lot of people and supporters in the Democratic Party. And I think there's also another reason why. Yeah. You know, when she was running against Obama, I think it was in 08, there was a feeling, I mean, she was really going to get the nomination. And Obama, out of the blue, with very little experience, he got the nomination. It was a, a groundbreaking um, event where an African-American person is going to represent the Democratic Party and, and win the White House, which is what happened. So a certain glass ceiling was broken. And, and, and that all makes sense. And a lot of people rallied around Obama, and, that, and that, was, that was a big factor. But I think, if nothing else, she's earned it. You know, but she was. It. Here's the thing. She was running when Obama was running. Why didn't you fundraise for her? I did fundraise for her. Okay. Well, why didn't you vote for her? No, I did support her. I did. I did but you know, she but lost your vote the primary. Your, Obama your, won. Your, your vote went to Obama. No, for the national election, not yeah. for the primary. My vote went for Hillary. I supported Hillary, but when Obama got the nomination mm. uh, representing the Democratic Party, then I went to raise money and support Obama. In your fundraising efforts, how are you going to convince people to support based on her record or on, on the fact that, you know, there are a few things that don't line up? Well, you know, I, I will do my best. It's not easy. I think mm. a lot of people are predisposed or not disposed. So I think that if she gets a Democratic nomination, which I hope she will and think she will, mm-hmm. I think that people rally to her and independence. And 
You know, I'm the view that, you know, they're, they're all good candidates. I mean, I, I think people don't realize the sacrifice that people make to run for office and what they have to do. Everybody likes to pillar these, these candidates. But I think it takes a huge toll on their families, and I think they're largely patriots. I think it's a great country we're in. We have different points of view. People can debate it. But I think largely we get very good people. We do. I mean, I, I think, you know, this country is very tough on our candidates and elected officials and very, very critical. And I think because they have misplaced expectations, they expect the coming of the Messiah or something when these people get elected president. So their expectations are out of whack. Because each of these candidates throughout history in every election, they're always delivering what the Messiah would deliver in terms of, <laughs> what, you know, they say what people want to hear. That could happen. You know, I, I, I can't. I, I, don't, I don't know their records. Yes, I believe that there are, in politics there's expediency. And, yes, people will say things and be disingenuous and say things they don't mean. No doubt. Uh, that may happen. That's unfortunate. You know, I, you lose a little respect when that happens. But it's like anything in life. Mm. You weigh it up. Think of it like anything. You, you weigh the pros and the cons, and if the pros outweigh the cons, then you tend to think you go with it. Nothing is perfect. Nothing's a hundred percent that doesn't exist. That's how I see it. So yes, and, and again, it's a matter of degree and proportion. If they're doing it a lot, then yeah, quickly uh, trust is going to be eroded. Nothing, you know. Remember, uh, this is a great one. Remember George Bu George Bush Senior when he was running for re-election. He just the, the Iraq War just ended. He came away with the highest. Um, approval rating, and, and since they started uh, uh, polling that, he had the most supportive Americans ever since they, they conducted polling. And he was at uh, some event with his close friends and advisors, and I think it was Kenneth Darman made a toast and said, Mr. President, if you died tomorrow, you'd still be reelected in November. And he lost. And why did he lose? He said, read my lips. No new taxes. So I think the American people are very tough on people that say something and don't mean it, or if they feel someone's lying, looking at Richard Nixon. So I, I, I think that the American people will hold our elected officials accountable. So, you know, that's, that's a good example of it, George Bush Sr. It's interesting that Mayor de Blasio of New York is not endorsing Hillary. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, okay, so let's, so I think on one level, he doesn't want to be forgotten. This way he's got to be catered to. I think that's his thinking. Plus, he also is very much on the liberal progressive side. So hence, Hillary is more moderate. So there are a lot of people like that that probably wish Elizabeth Warren was running. They probably feel deep down she's no longer the liberal that they remembered her to be, mm. which is what we discussed earlier. And I think he's very much on the liberal side of the Democratic Party. So I don't think he's thrilled with all the things that she does. But that being said, I do think that um, I, I'm not happy with it. I think it's offensive. And I think that if you're, you know, you're going to support her and, you're, uh, and your philosophy is similar and compatible. Well, it might be offensive if he said he doesn't support her. He's just keeping quiet. I know, but, you know... <laughs> I know, but you, know, you have to realize also, this guy has known her, I think, for like 20 years. He ran her campaign when she ran for the Senate in New York. This is someone that you know, knows her really well. So I don't like that mm. when a friend treats another friend like that. It's embarrassing to Hillary. She has enough. I mean, when you think about it, given what you mentioned earlier about the whole email scandal and all that, she's besides herself with that. 
And then a friend like that, you know, uh, yeah, it's clever. He says, well, I'm just not going to decide yet. Well, that's a bit of a dig. That's more than a dig. And I don't, I don't think friends should treat other friends like that. Well, he's like helped that. her, right? Well, I think it's mutual. I mean, she helped run. He ran her campaign, so I think he... he, he so he did, he, he worked for her. It's not, right, he worked what, for What her, did she exactly. do for him? I don't know. <laughs> you have to ask him. I don't know. But all I know is that regardless, mm. you know, this is... You know, she represents the best hope, I think, of, uh, of you know, Democratic Party, working people. And I think we'll see it. I think she's she's taken a big slice of humble pie... I think it freaked her out about the email thing. I, she, no one's harder on her, on her than her. She is very upset with herself. She has a lot of pride, and she doesn't want her enemies to use it against her. But I think this has made her really, really shook her up badly. So, you know, she's, I believe, and I may be wrong, time will tell, but I think she's going to earn this election. I think she's going around and really working it, not taking anything for granted. And I think she's been very humbled by the things that have happened to her. She's a different person from what I remember speaking to her 20 years ago and speaking to her now. I think she's a, a good leader and forceful leader, but as far as character, I think she's a much more humbled person. And, uh, and that's also what inspires me. If I, if in my view, I uh, she became, let's say, the opposite. If she became arrogant or close-minded, or uh, you know, that would be a turnoff. I mean, I'm not, you know, blindly following her. I have choices. I'm fortunate. I've been successful in business. I don't know anybody anything. I'm a, I, you know, I'm a self-made guy. Uh, I built two companies. Uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Never had any partners, investors. Never had a mentor. No one's ever helped me. Uh, I didn't marry money. I didn't inherit money. I've earned it, you know, the old-fashioned way. So I don't know anybody anything. No one owes me anything. I'm doing this because I, I really believe in my heart of hearts that this is the right thing to do, and I think that she would be a very good leader for this country. But then to go to the extent of fundraising and donating money and things like that, there must be some motive. How unseemly, right? No, I'm kidding. No, uh, the mo motive is being a good American. This is our political system. I know in Europe... No, look, don't, don't do be that. so evasive. Are you always this evasive, or are you making a special effort today? Come on. No. Give me a straight true, answer. You're on Fox News Radio, not Cartoon Network. <laughs> I really do care. That's look, if I had, if, an I, if I had the wealth you had, or I had the, the, the power or the influence... Uh, and I don't. So explain to me what would be my motive for getting someone up there. Do you want to, you want to be a Frank Sinatra, Kennedy story? <laughs> that would be interesting. That would. No. Um, I, I, in all seriousness, I, I really do. I know you may be skeptical, but I really do care about this country. I do. Now you're on and Comedy Central. About, sorry? Now you're sounding like you're on Comedy Central. <laughs> Well, and I no, also care me. about the American-Israel relationship, right. and you know, and look. Uh, but on that basis, mm. the Republican candidates, with the exception of Rand Paul, are, have stronger pro-Israeli positions than Hillary Clinton. So why doesn't that sway you? Because the economy is doing fine. Well, th that's what a lot of my Republican friends say. They're besides themselves. They can't understand why I'm a Democrat. <laughs> you know, they say, "What are you thinking, Harley? You know, we're so much better on Israel. You know, you don't get it." So you are getting and, hit on both ends in the middle of the road, then. That's for sure. Absolutely. I get hit on both ends. But I, I, But then do you think if you support Hillary and then she recognizes it and then, you know, you might get a plaque or something at the White House? 
Uh, no, they don't give plaques for that in the White House. But I think that I, I want to hopefully have some influence if I can. Mm-hmm. You know, the old Chinese proverb said that if, you may not believe in politics, but the people that run your life do. Right. So I like I, I'm I'm a guy who I don't sit back and let things happen or watch things. I'm about being active and making a difference. Even if I stub my toe and make mistakes, which I've made plenty of, I I am going to be out there and trying to make a difference. Otherwise, if I wake up in the morning, what what's it all about? But I mean, what yes, sort of influence? Friends, sorry. In which arena would you want Hillary to help you influence? Well, I I think that. Uh, in foreign policy in particular. Well, the other guys are doing the American-Israel even stronger than Hillary. They are. So they are. which other area would you... Well, I think also in uh, standing up to Russia, I think that... I think. But it's all foreign policy. You know what I would really like her to do if I was you? What? Do good for the vets. Well, there you go. I mean, there's a lot of... Yes. I usually, Those are I our real patriots. On, I'm with you. So I'll talk about that. So I agree with you, mm. and I think that's very important. And and that's something you do, right? Yes, I, I do do that. Mm. I have a uh, I've established a program in my company where we only look to hire vets. We help companies hire vets. We really make this a huge priority because they are really the best of us. They are the most deserving. You know, we what is it that you do that other companies are not understanding when it comes to vets? Well, they're not prioritizing vets, and they're not going out of their way to have a specific program to hire vets. What companies do, if you really confront them, they could get their HR person to say, well, we've hired this number of vets. Mm. Well, that's because they happen to be vets. They did not hire them because they're vets. Right. They did not. So there's, it, it requires a program like Israel has it. Israel prioritizes the veterans, the people that um, uh, uh, do the most, that put themselves the most in harm's way, let's say commandos, for example. Mm-hmm. They get the pick of the litter of the best jobs there because that society recognizes that people who really risk their life for their country and really do the most in that way deserve that. And I think that this, you know, it's a lot better since the Vietnam War, no doubt. We've, we've made huge strides here when veterans came back and they were spit upon, and that was terrible. So it's better, but it's not good enough. Their unemployment rate is double that of other Americans, and they have uh, serious uh, illnesses that they bring back with, like, you know, PTSD, and they're, uh, you know, they're, and, and they're struggling, and my heart goes out to them. So, you know, money so is isn't not isn't that a reason for the other corporations to shy away from recruiting the vets? They do shy away. They don't have serious programs. They're full of it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Not everyone, but generally they don't have the programs. And, uh, and it's hard for vets. So, you know, one of the things we do is, you know, we do a little reverse boot camp. For example, mm-hmm. you're supposed to network in a company in the military. You'd never network. That would be really frowned upon being subordination. You don't do that. You know, for uh, veterans, they don't, they don't have resumes. There's no such thing as a resume in the military. You know, it's your service record or, you know, your uniform. You know, that's, um, that, that, that's what's looked at. So, you know, and then we, we match them up with, a, with another veteran to help them, to help them navigate in a big company or a small company and how to adjust to uh, a different style of a business versus, you know, uh, the military. Didn't you ever take this business model to the Obama administration? I tried. I didn't succeed. So there you go. Here's a guy who raised money for him, did everything, and I got zero. 
So Zero. Wh- wh- why would Hillary listen to you then? Oh, I don't know. She probably won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I do is what my company does, which mm. is different, is that I own a technology company, and we do domestic outsourcing. So we do technology work, IT work, that a lot of corporations ship overseas for cheaper labor. We do the work in the United States only. Right. So I practice what I preach. And so we only hire people who could legally work in this country. We hire Americans, and we prioritize veterans, and we do the work here. And that, I think it makes good economic sense to do that. Oh, well, Harley, well. you Republican, you. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I lose on both ends. The Democrats <laughs> call me a Republican, and the Republicans call me a Democrat. I well, can't make it. Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a Democrat-Republican, so I'll take that title. And Vip Jaswell said, the show's over. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. A special shout-out of thanks to my dream team, William Sanchez, Rick Buser, and Danae Williams. Your comments and your follow are so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswell and my Facebook page, The Vip Jaswell Report. I wish you and your loved ones a fabulous evening. Until next Sunday, have a productive and a very happy week ahead.